Can you be quiet, please? Welcome to the Circular Economy Playbook, a podcast all about our tricky relationship with stuff and how to fix it. Hi, Elisa. I'm Chantelle. I am a chef slash restaurateur um, based in London, and we are at, today actually at one of my restaurants called All's Well in Hackney. And it's just worth saying that's why it's quite echoey in here. It <laughs> <laughs> is a little bit. It's, it's a restaurant. Um, thanks, Chantelle. Um, so in terms of your journey to where you are, so you've got this restaurant, you've got a, a, a restaurant in Covent Garden. Mm-hmm. How did you come to be here running this restaurant and Treadwell's? What's, what's your kind of journey? My journey, it's a very long journey, actually. Um, so I grew up in New Zealand, as you can probably hear from the twang. Um, it was surrounded by amazing produce growing up, always had gardens, so I was very fortunate in that respect looking back. I did finish high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but I really wanted to go to this university that was in the opposite end of the country in Dunedin. So I decided to do um, law and business because it was kind of the most generic thing that I could think of. So, yeah, basically moved from one end of the country to the other. Um, had a great time at university. Didn't really love the studies, if I'm honest, but the, the, life, the lifestyle was, was a lot of fun. Um, and met a lot of great friends there. And about halfway through that, through my studies, I decided I needed to get a job. So I wanted to do something really different than what I was doing. And I always loved cooking. So I thought, well, I'll see if I can find a job. So went into a local cafe that I really loved and said to them, look, I've got no experience, but I love to cook and I'm looking for a job. And twist of fate, they said, well, we're actually about to advertise for a part-time cook, so we're happy to give you a go. Um, So that was my first foray into into cooking. Um, And then fast forward, I was offered a job at the Savoy Grill. 2004 it was. So what had happened is I'd... Yeah, I started at the cafe, then went to work in in a restaurant kitchen in a boutique hotel... Um, really loved that, but then thought, well, I've spent, well, my mother actually said to me, you've spent, you know, kind of four and a half years of your life, a lot of money getting um, the degree, so you should just go and give it a go. If you don't like it, fine, but just give it a go. So I moved to Wellington um, in New Zealand and worked for the banking ombudsman, and but still really had this kind of burning desire to cook and just kind of on a whim entered a cooking competition that um, Gordon Ramsay was holding in New Zealand <laughs> and went yeah, into the competition, managed to get through to the final and was actually offered a job by one of the judges who was Josh Emmett, who was a fellow Kiwi, who was the head chef at the Savoy Grill here in London. Amazing. So I literally jumped on a plane, got my visa the next day or you know, a couple of weeks, a few weeks later, jumped on a plane to London, came for two years, 16 years later. Blimey. Here I am. And we're very pleased to have you here, I have to say. <laughs> so you came to us to be on our board, mm-hmm. obviously as someone with real credentials around sustainability and food waste prevention and uh, ethical approaches to cooking. When did that, what was your moment of revelation on that? I think it was probably a few years ago, I would say. I think 
you know, if I refer back to my childhood and always being surrounded by amazing produce and in New Zealand, we were, it was, it's like, you know, back then too, it was such a tiny country and it was so expensive to import fruit and vegetables that we ate seasonally because that was just what we did. Um, and I always remember looking forward to the very first asparagus of the season, the very first Fijoas, which are New Zealand fruit, which we all kind of love. Um, so I think it was kind of just felt natural that that was the way things should be. And then when I came to London, I was kind of exposed to so many different um, you know, produce and ingredients. And it was like, you can, you can literally get anything. I was kind of like, that's very odd. And I do remember walking into M&S when I first got here and, and just thinking, oh my gosh, there's like everything. You can buy asparagus now. You can buy this. Yeah. You, can, like, you can buy everything all year round. And being kind of like, you know, there was a bit of me that was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but then a bit of me that was like, this is a bit weird. Um, and I think probably, yeah, it was probably... Actually, probably about five years ago, and I think, I guess, you know, I was, it was always drilled into me about food waste in the kitchen because obviously if you wasted a lot of food, you wouldn't meet your GP and you then, therefore, the business wouldn't be profitable. Mm. So that was always kind of drilled into me, but not to the extent that it probably I probably practice things now. And I think it was just just a, a lot of common sense approach to things was like, actually, why, why are we doing things this way? And why are we... And I think when you kind of start to look into it and then like this whole kind of different world opens up it's, it's just like oh my gosh like if I don't start to do something about this then yeah. what's going to happen yeah. um, so it wasn't probably a singular light bulb moment I think it was just more of a culmination of, of things and I think having seen how the beautiful country that New Zealand was and then seeing how that could potentially also be decimated by everything that was going on, it kind of was like, okay, I need to kind of do something about this. Some of the images that I saw on screen at the event on Thursday, those really interesting shots of the bins yes. that winners yeah. were showing in their yeah. presentation from a bad food waste bin yes. all the way through to a good one. That was an eye-opener for me as well. And I can imagine that over time, as you kind of lived with that in a kitchen, that it mm. would, yeah, but the seasonal thing still blows my mind I know it um, is bonkers so in terms of t- tackling waste in the kitchen um, how do you what are your principles for that and what do you think are the really important things that you need to do to run a, a sustainable kitchen I think it's um, in the first I guess my kind of mantra is anything we can eat doesn't go in the bin yeah. that is the number one kind of rule and at you know both restaurants we we cook star food so if there's things that you know cannot necessarily be used in a dish if it's the you know or if it's you know kind of the end of a cucumber or a bit of a, a leaf of cabbage that kind of has gone a bit wayward then it's like all those things we can use because we can eat them all so i think the approach needs to almost yeah start backwards and think actually normally where you would put something in the bin or think it's not edible can we use this in a dish can we repurpose this can we find a way to use it. And I think because I've always also had a, a business head on with running a restaurant, it is, you know, that is a, it's money you're throwing in the bin as well, which never seemed, you know, from a practical perspective, it just isn't a sensible thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think preservation now has become, you know, kind of it's gone a bit full circle and it's, that's always when I've got, um, growing up in Alice and Uncle that had a stone fruit orchard in central Otago in New Zealand. And that was, always a big part of we'd spend a whole day preserving putting things in the you know my my um aunt would always making chutneys or relishes and things to just preserve because they had a glass of things all second 
seconds of fruit that they couldn't use. So I think actually thinking, okay, can we... And then I think I've probably got a step further and think actually what do... Because I work with some small um, farmers in Kent and Sussex and, you know, kind of backwards saying what can't they get rid of? What do they have a glass of? How can I then preserve that to, to use that? And I think it has been interesting doing this this space because this is a lot smaller than Dreadwells and I don't have a walk-in fridge, I don't have a walk-in freezer. Yeah. And those are two very, very useful things for preventing yeah. food waste because a freezer is great if you've got kind of you know trim of something that you isn't probably enough to use in something. Yeah. You can build up over time and then you can put a whole dish on. Whereas here, it's, I've got to be a bit more creative in, in my thought process and I don't have those facilities. So it is thinking, okay, what's a way to use, use it up? And I think we have... Um, we sell a lot of triple cooked chips at Trebles and a lot of roast potatoes on a Sunday. So there's always potato peels. Yeah. Um, what do you do with potato peels? Well, there are a number of things, but what I've done here is, so I actually bring the potato skins. So what we, we scrub the potatoes first before we peel them. And then we just pop the um, peels on a tray with a little bit of salt and oil in a kind of oven, probably about 100 and between 100 degrees and 120, so it's not super hot. It's really low. So yeah. it kind of dries them out a little bit as well yeah. as crisping them up. Um, and then I was like, these are actually really tasty. And then we also had, um, we used to have scallops on the menu as well, so we'd put all the roe, which is something that normally just gets dried in the bin. Oh, really? Um, yeah, in this country it does, interestingly. In New Zealand we kind of eat the whole thing. In Queen scallops you do, but so I always kind of thought, well, you know, there must be a way to make these into something that's edible yeah. in a way. Um, and so we froze, used to freeze them. And so then I kind of thought it was a guest dish actually at Dan Barber, who has Blue Hill at Stone Barns in upstate New York. He did a whole pop-up called Wasted at Selfridges. Right. And I had to do a dish for one of the days. And I thought, well, can I use these scallop rows? Because obviously it's, you know, the whole dish was supposed to be kind of about waste. Um, I thought, well, I wonder if I can make a tiramisu out of them like you do with cod's row yeah. like it is a row isn't yeah. it so I kind of lightly smoked them and then effectively made a tiramisu out of them instead of cod's row so emulsified it with oil and garlic um, and it worked so I was like actually that's great so I put that on as a dish here which is the potato skins with I, I, <laughs> I call it scallopalata yeah. rather than tiramisu um, so we've kind of created a whole dish out of something that's would normally go in the bin as well so it's delicious it's, well. yeah and it is and I've actually on the weekend I just use it with um, squash skins because we go through a lot of squash here as well and the skins are really delicious as well and sweet so mm. I think sometimes it's just trying things out and actually thinking well yeah. you know is this edible? And, you know, there's been some things that have definitely not been edible, but we've definitely, I think it, it just, yeah, it makes you a bit more creative. And I think that's a good thing as well as a chef to kind of push those boundaries that before you may not have because you weren't, there were constraints around them. So in terms of the uh, a low waste or a zero waste kitchen, what what do you think is happening in the industry now? Are chefs generally, like when you recruit people, do you have to train them or are people really aware now? What's happening with that? I think there's probably two schools. I think it's interesting. I get people that want to come and work with me or come and do some work experience with me because they are interested in 
plant-based cooking or zero-waste cooking or more sustainable cooking. Um, but then these other chefs that just apply because they kind of like the look of the food. Um, and generally it is, there's always one thing that happens, like so they'll put something in the bin. Yeah. And we have obviously all of our bins are separated. So I can, you know, and I quite, I, I check the bins quite regularly. So I'll go and just check what's been put in there. Um, and yeah, it, it's kind of, I say to them, so just so you're aware, this is the kind of what we work by in this kitchen, which is that, you know, anything we can eat, and that could be a tiny bit of something because we have a star food shelf. So yeah. anything just goes in the container, goes on that shelf, and then people get creative when it's time to cook. So, yeah, there is, and I think also, interestingly, having done probably, you know, I guess from the, a lot of different scales of food and restaurants in the past, 16 years since I've been in London and, you know, the kind of two Michelin star down to the, what, what I've got today. Hmm. And interestingly, yeah, I guess there is, you know, to achieve perfection sometimes with food, there is waste. So it's, it's balancing that. So if you've been, if you've got someone, if I have someone come to me that's been in the kitchen, that's been more focused on, I guess, aesthetics than anything else and wanting perfection, then they're probably, yeah, it takes a bit of, yeah, training to get them into a different mindset. Do you think a two Michelin star restaurant can be a zero waste restaurant? I do personally. I mean, Michelin's a funny thing that we probably <laughs> would take hours to get into, but I think at the end of the day, you know, they've they've openly said it's all about what the food tastes like as well. And, but also on the flip side of that, generally most kitchens cook star food, so there's not really a reason to waste anything because it can be eaten. Sometimes, I mean, it takes more time sometimes to to have less waste if that makes sense because yeah. it is if you are thinking of how to do how to deal with something sometimes it takes a lot more prep to take that off i mean here i do a pork broth on the menu here um so i basically roast pork bones and then just add water and simmer them for kind of four to five hours to get all the flavor and all the fat and all the collagen out um and when i strain off the broth there's there is quite a lot of meat on those bones so you know, it takes time though to then pick that meat off for us to then use it for style food. And then most other kitchens, they wouldn't even do that. They just kind of put the bones in the bin because effectively the, the goodness has been, you've got what you need out of them. So yeah. there are definitely, um, considerations sometimes about the time it takes to, to do that. So yeah. it is a balancing act. Um, absolutely. But I think it is achievable to have any kitchen as being zero waste. Yeah. Um, the only thing that we do have to waste, obviously, is you know, when things are completely inedible. Um, if things have spoiled, which they should never get to that stage anyway, if you're doing correct rotation, etc. Um, or food coming back from customers' plates. That's probably the one oh, thing that yes, is less controllable than others. But again, I think that's where, you know, the interesting thing with Winnow, where they can actually monitor exactly what that is in the bin. Yeah. And I guess if there's a lot of one thing coming back, then the portion's too big. Exactly. Or people aren't enjoying it. So you know you need to make a change if that happens. But I guess it's, you know, and I do encourage, I encourage guests here in the Trail Wells to, if you can't finish something, to please, you know, we'll pack it up for you to take home. Yeah. Because I'd much rather that than it go go in the bin. So what are your favourite zero-waste dishes and drinks? Well, I think probably the potato skins is one of my favourite. And I guess we did actually, on Saturday, we came up with a, um, a Bloody Mary that uses the kimchi juice from the kimchi that... I make and I, it's really good it's got mezcal in it and I also got really excited too because I had some celery 
and I had obviously it was a very leafy celery, so I had all these leaves. So I was like, I'm surely, and obviously they're very, you know, celery leaves are edible anyway. Um, but I thought, I wonder if I can make some celery salt. So I kind of blended them up, um, mixed them with salt and let it dry out, and it came this beautiful kind of bright green yeah. celery salt. So, nice. and also we did a um, beetroot negroni as well because we obviously beetroots are in season right now, and again just to be able to utilize that. And we also do a um, pumpkin spiced margarita so that all the skins and the trim from the squash we turn into a syrup to then put into the drink. So drinks is an interesting one, actually. It's, it's always good when there's a really good synergy between the kitchen and the, the bar because that's how you can minimize any form of waste. And other dishes, I think the um, you know trim from things is a good one. And I think the, I actually came up with the um, – we have lamb ribs on the menu here, which I get from a – farm in Wiltshire that's an organic pasture fed so I'm quite specific about what meat I do use um, and obviously there is some trim that comes off the ribs and we'd so I'd kind of saved that and frozen it and then we were going to run out of ribs because I didn't want to get any more for lockdown etc so I was like what can I do with that trim and so that's when I made the toasty which we then had our toasty kind of yeah. shop <laughs> during lockdown and again that was just kind of using I guess repurposing because it was using the lamb trim yeah, putting it in the toasty with the kimchi. And again, kimchi itself is a great one for zero waste because you can pretty much make it with anything. You know, cauliflower leaves, as you were talking about before, they make, that makes a really great kimchi. Swede, we've got swede at the moment because again, I think it's sort of an unloved vegetable. Yeah. Um, so it helps the, the farmers out if I can use that. And yeah, I, I kind of try and think, okay, what have I got to then make something with rather than it being the other way around of saying, I want to make this. It's, I think with kind of zero waste, it's, you kind of work backwards in a different way sometimes. So it's been a pretty tough year. Yeah. Um, things <laughs> are looking tough on all sorts of fronts, climate change and yeah. all sorts of other areas apart from apart from the pandemic. Um, mm. What's what's keeping you hopeful? Um, I think that despite how challenging the year has been and despite how horrific COVID has been in many ways, it's also been really positive in many ways. Um, I think it was a bit of a circuit breaker for many things. I think we saw the possibility of a world with less pollution yeah. with, with the first lockdown. Um, I think some things have moved forward. I think some things have moved backwards. You know, I'm pretty horrified every day when I walk along the canal and the bins are overflowing with um, disposable coffee cups, etc. I think it's also given people a bit of a – I think people are more conscious now about what's going on around them. Um and for me, that was always kind of what I wanted to promote. I mean, I, I don't, I struggle with the word sustainability because I think it doesn't actually mean much. And, you know, we don't want to sustain something. We want to make it better than what we are right now. So, yeah, yeah people hopefully will be a bit more conscious about the decisions they make and the choices they make. And I think, you know, people being at home more perhaps has made them eat at home more. It's probably made them, you know, hopefully, potentially, um, I think, Studies are still to be confirmed about food waste in the home. Um, but I think people reconnected with food to start definitely in the first lockdown. They did. And I hope that that does continue. And I think, yeah, for me, I mean, hopefully, I think there's a lot of hope. There's, there's exciting things. Um, I think collaboration has become really, really key, which is really positive. And to be able to move that forward. And I think, you know, I've met amazing people this year, albeit most of them virtually, yeah, <laughs> I must say. Um, yep, on the screen, the other our members as well. Um, but I think it's just 
it's really refreshing for me personally to be part of something that is about making change. And I think to actually meet meet and chat to like-minded people and learn, like I've learned loads already, and just to have people to ask for advice on things about, you know, what takeaway packaging do I use has been, was, was super helpful. Um, so from that perspective, I feel that there's a lot of hope moving forward in terms of, yeah, just the world becoming a bit of a better place, hopefully. Okay, well, that was um, really interesting, that conversation. You started talking about, you referenced the bin presentation that um, Mark, the CEO, gave at the food waste event. And um, that he had a video, didn't he, of it, um, uh, the AI system identifying each individual component of the bin and then categorizing it into, into like vegetables and meat and and then the weight of each thing. I mean, it's really an amazing thing. Um, I note, however, that um, uh, Chantelle actually does the same thing by eye, doesn't she? I mean, she has to inspect yeah. and have good systems in place to prevent food waste. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she was saying she walks around and looks in the bin. And if she's got new people working with her who've thrown things in the bin that shouldn't be there, she has a chat with I her. I bet she does. I, I, mean, I mean, I found the whole thing fascinating. I I can imagine that the traditional restaurant industry having all of these processes and procedures in place around rotation uh around utilizing you know the most of uh of of the food you know like you ali i know you watch kind of cookery programs and i'm i'm a big yeah. master chef the professionals and uh and the amateur version and they're always talking about you know trimming uh in the right way not taking off too much food and yet they always create waste trimming create trimming waste and i think yeah. Chantel was talking about the the kind of pursuit of uh, perfection around food and that that creates waste yeah absolutely that the you know these the the question about Michelin starred restaurants. I mean, she took me by surprise, to be honest with that answer. You know, when I asked, can they, can they be low waste and no waste? And she said, yes. I mean, that, I wonder how they do that. Well, it, I guess what it seemed to me that she was doing was constantly innovating around yeah. what can I do with this trimming? So this is an evolving science, isn't it? It seems to me. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not just, yeah not just a science and it's about communication as well isn't it but yes I was just kind of going off on a on a stream of consciousness really but the she was you know it seemed to me she just she was constantly innovating in the kitchen around you know potato peelings traditionally thrown away or you know butternut squash peelings and then there's food that isn't traditionally eaten you know so she was talking about what was it scallop roe yeah yeah, that it normally gets what, thrown away. What, yeah. What even is scallop row? I think it's the orange bit <clears throat> on a scallop that people cut out in some food cultures. As she was saying, she wasn't used to it when she came here and that it was, you know, in New Zealand you wouldn't do that. But um, yeah. And what did she call it? Scallopalata. Scallopalata. I love it. I mean, I know you don't, uh, being a vegan, yeah. but I, I love the idea of it. It sounds delicious to me. No, I always thought, I thought, I thought Chantel was. Um, 
into into more plant-based foods i know she offers a good plant-based menu but it most of that conversation did seem to revolve around boiling bones <laughs> yeah 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 it's always it's a you know fantastic thing to do with the so to get amazing stock but um yes clearly not for the the, the more plant-based amongst us yeah i mean her her, well, her menu is by the way like something like 60 or 70 percent plant-based having eaten there um it is very easy to be a vegan in her restaurant yes i know i mean i i think i had a conversation with her where she was saying that the plant-based tasting menu was i think at least as popular if not more popular than the than the meat based yeah um taste menu but it's certainly very popular at the moment mm. but the thing that i enjoyed most about that idea of um of you know making the most out of out of unusual bits of leftovers was the conversation between kitchen and bar that she was talking about like turning things into cocktails some of those sounded frankly delicious the kimchi one i'm def, def, desperate to, to try that at some point yeah um, i will definitely make a note of it next time I go there. no but you talked about beetroot oh yeah the beetroot negroni yeah yeah, yeah. so Delish. but this is my point really that she, she seems to be uh constantly innovating so mm. you know there there's an emerging um, well, I say science, maybe it's an art, an emerging school of cookery, which is um, uh, away from the traditional school, which is what do we do with the things that we traditionally threw away as trimmings? Mm. And she seems to be at the forefront of that, just uh, innovating, thinking of interesting things that she can do with this food. And she said, um, you know, it takes time to, I don't know, pick the meat off the bone of something that you've boiled. But I guess the um, payback of that is as she said she's running a business mm. uh, exactly get the maximum saleable produce uh, products out of the produ produce that she buys then that's all going on her bottom line yeah it is but it feels to me as though um you know yes it has a, a bottom line impact and there's a really good business rationale for doing this but that very often it's driven by passion for the kind of the, you know, the the environmental and the almost the moral kind of um, drivers for it, it feels like it it's it might start there, but what it finishes with is a very efficient kitchen, very creatively run with lots of communication all the time about what to do with ingredients. So yeah, yeah, it's um, also it's an amazing thing. I get the feeling that um, you know that that professionals in the kitchen. At, at all levels but certainly at the highest levels consider it to be um yeah, a moral duty and part of their professional uh, pride to get the most out of the products that they they buy so i guess yeah. this is all part of that and it fits very nicely with the current uh climate crisis with circularity with um uh with the times that we live in trying to make the most out of things so i think it, it and also you know for um for someone like Chantal and, and chefs like like that um the challenge must be incredible to to create new exciting and innovative dishes from uh from you know things that would traditionally have been simply thrown away it's it, mm. it's really quite um encouraging and inspiring yeah, it is. It feels like genuine sort of stewardship in a way, like 
making the you know respecting and making the most of the ingredients that come your way so and, did you um, uh, yeah. eat anything at uh, Chantel's restaurant uh, not while I was doing the recording unfortunately because the kitchen was closed that day which is why it was so echoey and empty because uh, uh, Monday it was recorded on a Monday but um, I have eaten there as I said before and it and uh, ate an entirely uh, vegetarian if not vegan lunch there um yeah every every plate really interesting exciting flavors and fantastic food really loved it okie dokie well um i hope you enjoyed that interview this is this is our christmas episode as we said so i hope you everybody has a really restful break and eats lots of delicious food and doesn't waste anything while they're doing it yeah that we we have a guide don't we or at least there is a guide if you've got excess food waste this christmas the Sustainable Restaurant Association produced a guide on how to avoid food waste. And, you know, within that, there's like food redistribution charities, including people like Olio. So check that out. I think you can find a link on our LWARB Twitter feed or on my LWARB CEO Twitter feed. Um, And yeah, try and have uh, a good break, everybody. Don't create any food waste. Yep. Um, absolutely yeah and uh we'll see you all in the new year with more of these interviews i guess ali we're going to try and do aren't we where we have yeah shorter punchier uh interviews with some interesting people exactly we will we will do that's exactly what we're going to do fantastic happy christmas everybody um and see you soon see you soon bye